So we're going to continue on our series looking at these women that are mentioned in Jesus' lineage. So far we've looked at Ruth. It's part of the series that we did on Ruth. Um, today we're going to look at Rahab, who's an interesting story. We get a decent amount of information about her. Um, why is the story of Rahab really important? I think we get more about her than most, other than Ruth. Because God's going to take her from being a harlot to being a hero. All right. We all have a certain view of ourselves, right? When we think about who we are, we have certain images and ideas and faults and problems and junk that we associate with ourselves when we think about ourselves. Right? We just do. How does God see us? When he looks at us, how does God view each one of us individually? What can God do with us if we allow him to lead our lives? This is the story of Rahab. Her name, Rahab, is probably from the Egyptian god Ra, which was the god of the sun. Right? You remember she's not an Israelite, she's not Hebrew. She's an Amorite. She's the enemy of the nation of Israel. God has told them after they've left Egypt to kill every man, woman, and child in the land. Right? No one is to be left alive. And so that's important to understand as we look at this story because Jericho is going to be the first real city that they conquer and Rahab is going to stand apart from the rest. Her name in Aram in Amorite means insolent or fierce one, right? Um, which seems to fit what she ends up doing for a living, perhaps. Um, she doesn't fit in, obviously, with the rest of the world. So let's look at some, before we continue, some historical things to this, right? Prostitution was not a good thing. Then, now, ever, right? Ever. This woman was a prostitute. Some people like to make her become something she isn't and say, well, she was an innkeeper. Well, yeah, she probably was, and the dude stayed the night and had sex with her for money. Right? She wasn't a good person. So let's... I read a lot of things on Rahab, and a lot of them tried to make her something that the Scriptures don't, right? Because she's in the line of Jesus, we want her to be a good person. But that's not who Jesus calls to himself, right? Jesus says, I didn't come for those who are healthy. Like a doctor, I go to those who are sick. And so Rahab is just like us in that she's a sinner. She's a prostitute. She's a harlot, right? And unfortunately, when we think about Rahab, we simply look at what she did for a living. But imagine back during those times when women had zero rights and she's a business owner selling her body to men if a man chose to do what he chose to do and then just not pay what rights does she have to do anything about it my guess is Rahab was taken advantage of as a young girl and that's why she entered into the business she did and was continually taken advantage of by the men of the city. 
The other thing we need to understand is I do believe she was an innkeeper, right? That's why she knows things others don't perhaps in the city. She's heard a lot of things. So I do believe she's an innkeeper, but something extra on top of that, right? She is a prostitute. One of the things, if you look at her life and you research her, that you can see in some of the older commentaries is that we know who she marries, right, is Salmon, right, is how we would say it in English. Um, they Oftentimes they say that he was one of the two spies, right? That's nowhere in the scriptures. That's tradition. Could he have been? Possibly. We don't know. But we do know that this Israelite is going to marry her. That much we do know. And that's how she becomes part of the lineage of Jesus. Right? But whether or not he was one of the two spies, I don't know. Cool tradition, maybe. Right? And I can't figure out how old it is because it goes back as far as I could find. So is it word of mouth that was passed on some from this time? And it's true? Possible. I don't know. Right? Um, either way, it doesn't really add or take away from the story. We do know that... He's going to choose to marry a prostitute. And did he do it because he was one of the spies and formed this bond with her because she helped him during his time of need to hide him? I don't know. All right? But just make you aware that's something you may come across. And they just say it with authority, oddly enough. Like, this is matter of fact. Um, but there's nothing scriptural to point out whether or not that's true. So let's look at our story. It's going to be found in Joshua 2 and Joshua 6, and she's going to get mentioned in the book of Hebrews, the book of James. Um, so we're going to jump around a good bit to find out who this woman is. So our story begins with Joshua. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim, Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went, and right off the bat it says, and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. So these spies go in. They need a place to hide out. So hey, you go to the inn. It's where all the news is going to be found, right? So you go to the pub to find out what's happening in town. So this is where they end up. But it doesn't take long, and the king of Jericho knows they're there. So just in verse 2, it says, The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So here's what we know about them as spies. They're not good at it. Spies should enter and leave undetected, and immediately everyone knows they're spies in the city. They suck at their job. Everyone knows who these two guys are, and they know exactly where they're at. So the king of Jericho is told, hey, there are spies from Israel in our city. So the, two Je the king of Jericho, it says, sends a message right where? To Rahab. He knows where they're at. There's no doubt. They've been at your inn. And he says, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. These guys are just bad at their job. They're not spies, right? They, weren't, they were slaves. Their job was to wander in the desert for 40 years, and now they enter into the promised land. They're not trained to be spies. That's why they suck at it, right? 
but they're not good at this. So why the spies? Because here's what we're going to find out. They bring back no relevant information from Jericho or anywhere else that's going to help them conquer the area. Nothing. They're just going to come back and go, there's people there and they're afraid of us. Um, so why send these spies? Did they need to send the spies? Were they told to send spies by God? Nope. This was Joshua. Now, granted, if you were looking at conquering a land, you would probably went to want to send out spies. However, if we remember the previous time spies were sent out, Moses comes to the land. They're on the other side of the Jordan, and they send spies across, right? And they see people on the other side of the Jericho. And the spies come back and go, oh, there are giants in the land, right? There weren't giants. There were people, but they say there are giants and they get afraid to take the land. And so God makes them as a result, wander in the desert for 40 years. If they had learned anything, it should have been, you don't send spies. Because what comes back doesn't help usually. And again, it doesn't help. God's already said they're going to be successful. God's already said, you're going to take this land. I'm going to bring down the walls of Jericho, in fact. I'm going to be the one that conquers Jericho, and you're just going to march in and take it. Is it possible that God sent these two men, though, just to ensure that this harlot is saved? Would God send men possibly to die? Because they suck at their job, right? They didn't sneak in. They don't sneak out very well. They sneak out well because she's the one that tells them how to sneak out. Right? They didn't do a good job of it. They could have easily been captured and killed. Would God send two spies into this city to possibly die just to save this woman? Who knows? I think so. Story continues and it says that we're going to have technical <coughs> issues. No, I don't want that. I really like this software, but it may not be the answer we're looking for. So our story continues and it says, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. <coughs> and she says, then she responds, sends a response to the king and says, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know who they were. I didn't know where they had come from. So she didn't know who or where they had come from. Not only is she a harlot, but apparently she's a pretty good liar. Right? And the king has got to know she's lying. Because most of the, all the information she has about them that she's going to give back to us here in just a little bit, 
comes from travelers, right? She's heard all this information from travelers who have come to visit her. So the king knows, if anybody in our town knows who these guys are, it's probably going to be Rahab. But he doesn't question any of it. Then at dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. And she says, I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. She's a good liar. They leave. But she had taken them up to the roof, hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men sent out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. So they close off their city to the Lord, right? They don't want God and these people, the Israelites, to come into their city. They've heard a lot already about what has happened with Israel. They know everything that has occurred in Egypt. No, I'm going to freak out. I don't do well with technical problems. We'll see if that's causing the problem. That's not where we were. So they shut everything off. No notes. Here we go. So they close up the gate. They shut down their city out of fear of these men. Because they know that this, these men have won, so far, every one battle they've been in. Because they've been in one battle. But they won. And so this walled, gated community is afraid. Before the spies lay down for the night, she goes up onto the roof. She's got to make a deal, right? And she says to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. So the city is scared of them, right? We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, these were two kings, of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. Every man, woman, and child was put to death. I know it sounds bad. It's what the Lord had. right? He didn't want any to grow up with anger in their heart toward Israel that might then try to take the land. Oh wait, that happens because they stop doing what the Lord tells them to do. She goes on and she says, When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So this harlot, who's a pagan, says, Here's what I know. Your God is the God of all the heavens and all the earth. In essence, she's saying he is the only one true God. 
Then she says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign. So she's trying to make this deal, right? She wants to make sure that her family is safe. She's helped them. Now help me. That you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all who belong to them. So that would be slaves and such. And that you will save us from death. She's sure, she is certain that this thing is really already over. She knows that somehow the walls are going to go away. Something's going to happen. They're getting in, right? They're going to either lay siege, the city gives up, something. But she knows death is the only option for everyone in that city. She knows that her brothers and sisters are not safe from this. She knows their families are not safe. And so the spies respond and they say, our lives for your lives. They assure, and they say, if you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So here are these guys. This is how good she is, right? They go, listen, we're spies. Don't tell anyone. Even though everybody already knows. Keep a secret for us. Because we want to come in secretly. And she's good. She doesn't go, guys, you suck at this thing, okay? I'll help you, don't worry. She doesn't do any of that. She lets them believe they're spying and they're doing a really good job at it. The next verse. So she lets them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Right? So you have the wall and one wall of her wall in her house would have basically been the city wall. Right? So what was protecting them, right? There was the wilderness wall into her house, right? And she probably has this second story window from which she lets them down. Right? The window would have been on the second story because if you put it on the first story, not very good wall at keeping people out. Right? So second floor and on top of the roof would have been flat where she would have worked. Right, said that there was flax up there, so she had been working flax, and that, um, and there would have been a seating area up there, so that's where they had hidden. Out on top of this, where everyone else also had the same thing in their houses, even with everybody else, so everyone could see up there what was going on. You get right. This is not the spies weren't good, right? They were not hiding from everyone. Anyone, everyone knew they were there. Everyone saw them. She says to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. She knows exactly where the guard is not going to go. Right? Go to those hills. Hide yourselves there for three days. After three days, she knows they're going to give up. Obviously, this has happened before. And she's obviously been involved in this thing before, it looks like. Right? She's helped others probably escape the city because she doesn't like those who are in charge, is my guess. They'll return after three, after three days, and then you can leave and go on your way. And so the men say to her then, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us. Unless, when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers, and all your fam family into your house. 
All right, so what they're saying is, listen, this is only good if you put this cord, this red cord over your window. Then we'll see it and we'll know you're to be safe. Why did they choose a red cord, right? A scarlet cord in particular. I think there's something, if it didn't bring something to them, to their hearts, right? Then God did this through them and made the connection. But there are definitely connections to their near past, in fact. In Exodus chapter 12, the last of the miracles that God does, the plagues that God sends on Egypt, he sends the spirit of death and he kills all the firstborn males. But he tells Moses in Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, it reads, On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. And in verse 19, The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And so they choose a red cord to place over the wind, right? As a sign. I think this harkens back to this very thing, right? This is what they were getting at. Because we get more information in the book of Hebrews in chapter 9. We're going to hear about Moses again. Verse 19 reads, When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with with water, scarlet wool, hmm, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. And so he has this scarlet cord made of wool, right? They dip it in blood. That's why it's scarlet. It's red from the blood. And they sprinkle that blood on the scrolls, which would have been the Bible, and all of the people to show forgiveness from sins. Verse 22, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. This is why Jesus' death had to happen. Jesus had to shed his blood for all of mankind, that all of mankind might be forgiven their sins. Apart from this, there is no forgiveness. But back to our story. So the spies then say, If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. So these two are saying, Look, we're going to make this agreement. We're going to go back. We'll tell Joshua. We're so certain he's going to do what he said. He, we've promised that if anyone in your house dies, we die. Right? That's how certain they are of the man Joshua. He was a man of his word. But if you tell what we are doing, got to keep our secret though. The secret everybody knows. We will be released from the oath you made us swear. I think it's just funny. These guys think they're so good at this thing. Agreed, she says. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. So it's going to hang up there for quite some time, right? And nobody thinks anything about it. So the people who live around her are pretty much fools. Actually, what I think it is, is they're so afraid 
that the Israelites are out there, that no one goes outside the walls. The city is shut up tight and they are staying home. They are not going out there for nothing out of fear. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out. Oh, wait, there it is. And no one came in. Right? They're not going anywhere. They're so afraid. This is Joshua chapter 6. We switched from 2. Sorry. And in verse 2, Then the Lord says to Joshua, So this is the, this is the attack on Jericho. See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. And in verse 16, he gives them this long list of things they have to do over the next seven days, right? Walk around, blow your trumpets, make some noise, right? Then he says, the seventh time around, on the seventh day, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent, because they needed to be hidden. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. And everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. And all the men, women, and children that were there were put to death. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house, bring her out, and all who belong to her, in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in, and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. So they're still foreigners, right? They're not Israelites. They're Amorites. So you can't quite live with us because we don't trust you. We don't really like you. Right? Um, people think in the United States we have immigration problems. Right? The Israelites were really bad about immigrants. So they have to live outside of the camp of the Israelites. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. So when the book was written, obviously. Not to this day. Right? Um, just make sure everyone understands. Right? She's dead now. Um, but how it changes, just two verses, right? Later, she lives among the Israelites to this day. Rahab, a foreigner who was a harlot, that God changed from a harlot to a hero. God took a harlot and said, I'll make you my child. I'll cause you to dwell among my people because you are mine. Right? He turns this harlot into a hero for the nation of Israel. And they allowed her, because of that, to live among them. So she's also mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Great Hall of Faith. It's where all those of Israel 
who displayed extraordinary faith are recorded, and Rahab is one of them. In 1131 it says, By faith, we're not going to forget she's a harlot. By faith, this is in the New King James because they put it in there good. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe because she believed. When she had received the spies with peace. The peace is a big part of this. Most of them don't say that, right? But that's what the Greek says. And so that's why I have the New King James here in particular, right? This harlot Rahab expressed faith in who God was. Right? She makes these declarations to the spies that are amazing. Your Lord is the God of the heavens above and the earth below. He's the God of all things. And she receives them in peace. She goes because of her faith from an enemy to an ally. From a harlot to a hero. Because of her faith in God. Because the moment she expressed faith in God... God touched her heart and began to change her. Right? That's the grace of God in her life. And that grace extended so far that she would be recorded in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, which is phenomenal. She's the only foreigner there. She's also in James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 25, we read, Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works? when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. Okay, let's be clear about what is being said and what isn't being said, right? So this is talking about works and faith, right? It's not her works that justify her, it's her faith. It says, I know it says, right? Was she not also justified by works? But her works are an outflow of her faith. The works would not have been there. She would have never been an ally of the spies. She would have never received them in peace if the Lord God had not given her faith. If the Lord God had not saved her from herself. So James 2 verse 14, we read, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? So if you have faith, but no works that flow from your faith, is that faith saving faith? What is your faith in? Right? We all have faith in something, someone. For most in this world, it's faith in themselves, in themselves alone. And so they do works for themselves and for themselves alone. But when you have faith in the Lord, your works are for Him and they flow from Him because of Him. In verse 17, we read, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Right? So people will say they have faith. They say, right? If you talk to people and you say, and they, and you say I'm a Christian. Most people in America will go, I'm a Christian too. Right? And they will say they have faith. But what do they have faith in? Is it the Jesus of the Bible or just the name Jesus? And they've reinvented Jesus to be the God they want, which is themselves. Right? <coughs> if that's the case, then their faith is dead 
and the result is death. Verse 26 we read, As a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Our faith naturally leads us to works. Right? It just naturally does. Because once you have true faith in the Lord, the Lord will begin to speak to you, to touch your heart, to move you, to motivate you, to shape you, and to change you to do the things He would do because He's not here to do them. Therefore, we must. Galatians 5, 6 reads, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. <laughs> the dog is going crazy. It's great. True love is only found in God and God alone. <laughs> this is fantastic. Our faith in Him, right? We say when you have faith in Jesus, Jesus comes to take up residence in you, right? Jesus then lives in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit. We say Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit comes then and fills us. And the overflow of that infilling is the love of Jesus through our faith in Him. That's what Galatians 5, 6 is saying. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Right. So what this is saying is the natural outflow of you truly being a Christian, of your true faith, is that you speak about your faith. It is the natural outflow. It is what you simply do. It's what Rahab did. right? If we look back, I highlighted these in Joshua chapter 2, verse 9. She says, I know that the Lord has given you this land. right? In verse 10, she says, The Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. And then in verse 11 again, she said, For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. She knows who God is. She has placed her faith in the Lord that He will save her for what's coming. And because of that, He does. He is faithful to her because of her faith in Him. And because of that, God places her in the line of Jesus. She marries a man named Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz fathered Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. Obed would have known her. Right? This harlot, this prostitute, a foreigner, Ruth, a foreigner, right? Her, his mother and grandmother. His mother, his grandmother, technically by the law, 
should have been killed. But because God chose to turn a harlot into a hero, she is saved. God chose Rahab. We can say, well, Rahab knew all of this and therefore she had faith. Right? But why send the spies? Spies weren't needed. The spies didn't do any good. Except to write a good story. God sent the spies. God caused Joshua to send the spies. And then he put them in the house of Rahab. Because God had chosen already to save her long before she had expressed her faith in the Lord. He knew her. He was at work in the hearts of these men long ago. He was working in them saying, look, did he murder, right? That's a hard word. Did God take the lives of every firstborn in Egypt? But not all of Egypt. He spared some. That's grace, mercy, kindness, love. And those spies knew that. Right? And so when they encountered Rahab, that's what they expressed. And God knew He was going to put that in their hearts. Those stories would be there. And so they chose a scarlet cord. Why? Because that's what God had chosen. Right? God had made that choice already in Moses. Use a scarlet cord to show salvation. What shall be saved and set apart? Rahab was set apart. And God took this woman, right? this woman who saw herself, I believe, as insolent and fierce. Right? She didn't think twice but to lie to the city guard. If the city guard found out she was lying, they would have murdered her on the spot. She and probably her whole family would have been put to death for hiding spies. That's how things operated then. She was a liar. She was a harlot. Right? She knew these things of herself. She knew who she was. But then she began to know the Lord. And she saw salvation in sight. And she saw a different story being written. And God recorded this story so that we can then go back and read it and say, oh, what story do we tell of ourselves, to ourselves, all the time? What hurts do I carry? What sins do I hide? What junk? do I know of in my life? What are the burdens that weigh me down? How does God see you? He took a harlot and turned her into a hero. He takes saints, he takes sinners every day and by faith in him turns them into saints. And that's our story. That's who God sees when he looks at us. And as a result, our faith 
should move our feet. And we should do acts of kindness and love and bring peace. And when we do this well, we go from the darkness that we were in, sin, the darkness of the burdens, the darkness of the hurts, the darkness of the thoughts that just aren't true of who we are, right? The lies we tell ourselves. We go from that darkness into His marvelous light, and we begin to see ourselves as He, as he sees us, right? Jesus has called us to be fishers of men. Jesus has called us perfect by His blood. Jesus has called us saints, no longer sinners. Jesus has called us brothers. God has called us His children. Children worthy of an inheritance the same as Jesus. We have been adopted as sons. Not because of who we saw ourselves to be, but because of who God saw, cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Amen.